0: He is risen. 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 risen. risen It is the great news. Hallelujah. Amen. Uh, Smiley faces this morning. Good Friday has passed. Easter Sunday is here. Our Lord and Savior is alive. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Uh, this week, we're going to continue in Mark. We skipped to chapter 15, uh, talking about some of the episodes leading up to uh, Good Friday. And this week, we're going to be talking about uh, the meaning of Easter from uh, chapter 16, verses 1 through 7. And I just feel so blessed to be with you this morning, to be able to worship our Lord and Savior, uh, to see so many of you here. It, it truly is a blessing, and I'm just uh, grateful to the Lord uh, for this day. Uh, so before we begin, let's just go to him in prayer. Lord God, our lives are ours, uh, uh, and you've given them to us uh, so that we might glorify that you through them. And Lord, we just thank you for purchasing them for us, because if you hadn't done that, we would be doomed to eternity in hell apart from you. So thank you for that, Lord. Thank you for your incredible grace, your incredible love. And Lord, uh, we felt dark despair on Good Friday, uh, like your apostles surely did on that Good Friday. But today, uh, we just feel hearts bursting full of joy, so thankful, Lord, for what you have done, dying for our sins so that we might live. And so these lives you've given us, Lord, we, we give back to you, serving you, Lord, loving you. We love you so much, and we thank you so much, Lord, for what you've done. And we praise you in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Well, imagine a huge tornado threatens Dallas. It's coming right for us. Frantic meteorologists warn everyone, evacuate. Don't even take a second to board up your house. You got to go. You got to go right now or you're going to perish Uh, and forecasters predict absolute calamity. Nothing will be left standing. The Weather Channel sends its best storm chasers to come and and watch this tornado and witness the damage. And then, uh, in a shockingly unpredictable change, uh, the tornado disappears. It just dissipates. It's gone. People are are in wonder, staring up at the sky. Where did it go? You look out your kitchen window at the neighbors and, and everybody's outside. Like, where is this tornado? Uh, It's sunny and 72 degrees, uh, which is amazing. Uh, You know, we we don't really take sunny and 72 uh, days uh, too seriously because we have them all the time uh, here in Texas and in other parts of the world. But if we expected a tornado to blow our house away and then we got a sunny and 72 degree day, well, we wouldn't take that beautiful day for granted so much anymore. Suppose you went for a routine checkup at your doctor, and after the doctor listens to your lungs, she says, I don't really like the sound uh, that I hear. And she sends you for an x-ray, and the x-ray reveals a mass. Uh, She sends you for a biopsy, but you're gonna have to wait a week for the results. Uh, And you, of course, think the absolute worst. It's, It's a malignant tumor, and you think about cancer and radiation and chemo and surgery and all that could follow. Uh, and as, you, as the days go by, you wait for this phone call and the doctor calls you and says, great news, uh, it's benign, you have nothing to fear. Uh, and so your, your, your great fear is turned to joy, but the joy is so much greater relative compared to the fear of what you might have had to suffer. So in both scenarios, in the storm and in the diagnosis, uh, the good news is so much better because you expected the worst. Now, Good Friday and Resurrection Sunday are similar uh, in that uh, they expected the worst. They saw Jesus get arrested, uh, but the big profound difference is that the worst actually happened. Uh, They watched Jesus be crucified, and they watched him be taken down from the cross and then buried. So their worst nightmare happened, far worse than uh, a tornado, far worse than a cancerous mass. They watched their enemies execute their friend, their Messiah, their savior. Uh, and they, they saw them do it uh, alongside two other criminals uh, just before the Passover. They, they watched Joseph of Arimathea take the body from Pilate and, and put it uh, in a tomb, his own personal tomb, where no one else had ever been laid. And then they went home to observe the Sabbath. Now, there's a passage of time before the good news happens, right? Imagine uh, 24 hours uh, before uh, the, the Sabbath ended. Uh, and so think about their emotions as they grappled with Jesus's death. They had placed all their hope in Jesus. Uh, they, they followed him. They left everything to follow him. And, and, and his followers expected him to change the world Uh, ridding them of their Roman oppressors. Uh, And then his crucifixion ripped their hearts out as they watched their friend, their Lord, their Savior be crucified on a cross. And so they go home for the Sabbath uh, grief-stricken, emotionally sapped, uh, and confused from the highest of hopes uh, to the darkest depths of despair. And that's what they experienced during those 24 hours of the Sabbath. Well, Jesus did change their world, didn't he? Uh, But just not how they expected. They could not have seen this coming. Uh, And Resurrection Sunday is so stunningly glorious when compared uh, to the despair, to the depths of the despair that they were feeling uh, as a result of the crucifixion. Uh, His followers had had this great hope, but then they moved to resignation that he had died. And we see that in verses one to three of our passage today. But when they, when they get to the tomb and they see that the tomb is empty, well, they move back again from resignation that he's died to, to a glimmer of hope. And then beyond that, even uh, the angel says, go and, and, and go, to, go to Galilee where he said he would meet you uh, and great things would happen in Galilee. So uh, even forgiveness of sin in Galilee. And so uh, the fact, uh, the historical facts are that, that Jesus died and that Jesus was buried, and that Jesus rose again. These are historical facts, but Easter is about so much more than just the fact that uh, a man, according to to those of the first century who were not believers, a man died on the cross, was was put in the grave. Uh, It's so much more than that. Because he rose from the dead, that has tremendous significance and meaning for us because it tells us that any believer, all believers in Jesus Christ will also be raised from the dead to eternal life with him. And that's the meaning, that's the significance of Easter. Uh, So let's follow the women as they walk on their way to the tomb. Uh, Verses one through three. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices so that they might come and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, they came to the tomb. When the sun had risen, they were saying to one another, who will roll away the stone from the entrance of the tomb for us? Let's just think about the phrase for a minute, when the Sabbath was over. Uh, Remember, they crucified Jesus at 9 a.m. on Friday morning. Uh, Friday was the Uh, The the Passover would start sundown on Friday. So uh, 9 a.m. to sundown, that was the length of time uh, that these criminals would be allowed to hang on the cross because it was very important that they take the bodies down uh, and dispose of them and then get home for the Sabbath. And so the Jewish leaders, uh, they didn't want Jesus or the other two criminals to remain on the cross after the Sabbath began. Uh, because they needed to get home and they wanted to know with assurance that Jesus was dead before they began their Sabbath observance. And so uh, typically a person didn't die from crucifixion uh, by, from the time of 9 a.m. to sundown, you know, eight or nine hours. That wasn't enough to do it. It sometimes took two days, three days for somebody to die of crucifixion. So uh, as the uh, Passover approached, the Jewish leaders asked Pilate to have their legs broken those who were crucified. You can imagine what that would be like. It would be a big sledgehammer type thing where they would smash the femurs uh, or, and the shin bones of the crucified victim. And what that did was you needed your leg bones uh, to push up so you could draw breath uh, and then fall back down again and then push up, draw breath, because your diaphragm needs to expand and contract to draw breath. With broken legs, you couldn't do that. And so they uh, smashed the legs of the two others who were crucified with Jesus. But when they came to Jesus, they found that he was already dead. Uh, and this fulfilled Psalm 3420, which says that not a bone of his would be broken. Joseph of, Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus took the body uh, from Pilate and they buried him nearby. Now, the Sabbath lasted from sundown on Friday night to sundown on Saturday night. So that's a full 24 hours. And and Jesus' followers would have observed that Passover in absolute misery, uh, just dejected, despondent over what had happened. 24 hours uh, to come to grips with the reality uh, that this man that they loved so much uh, was dead. And they probably went through some of the uh, stages of grief and psychology that we hear about. Denial, uh, I I can't believe that our our friend, our Messiah, our savior is dead. Uh, Anger uh, that the Romans would do this and that our Jewish leaders would conspire to ensure that it happened. And then finally, uh, some manner of, of resignation and acceptance, uh, understanding that it actually did happen, uh, and now figuring out uh, what to do to move on. Uh, how could Jesus' followers move on after this soul-crushing event that they had just witnessed? And you can imagine them looking around at each other, saying, now what? What do we do now? Well, emotionally... Uh, Their hopes had been high, but they move now to resignation that he's gone. Their hope was crushed. It was over. Jesus was dead. And now they could only channel their grief into another final act of love for their Messiah. Uh, Mark mentioned that there were three women. He mentions uh, Mary, the mother of James, Mary Magdalene and Salome. Uh, Luke mentions Joanna and other women. So there were at least five, maybe more women who went on the way to the tomb uh, that morning and they bought spices and they brought them to the tomb and they were going to anoint Jesus another time. Now, Joseph and Nicodemus, if you remember the story, they took the body uh, and they took a hundred pounds of myrrh and aloes and they dipped these linen strips in the myrrh and aloes and then they wrapped Jesus's body in it. Uh, So Jesus's body was well anointed for burial. So we would ask, why did the women want to anoint Jesus's body again? Well, one thing we need to understand is that the Jews did not embalm like the Egyptians did. So uh, dead bodies decay very quickly in the hot desert heat of Israel. uh, And anointing the body would not slow the process of decay at all. But anointing the body does cover up the the smell, the the, the stench of putrefying, decaying uh, flesh. But why would they care about that? Joseph had taken the body. He had put it in the tomb. They had rolled a stone in front of the tomb. There was nobody who would smell the smell because it was buried behind the stone. Well... I think the only explanation is that they wanted to honor Jesus another time. What do you do when there's nothing else you can do, right? You just outpour your love. You do whatever you can to show your love. And so that's what they decided to do. If they couldn't bring him back to life, if they couldn't have him, they would anoint him another time. They loved him so deeply. The devastation of the loss was so unbearable. And so they planned to do the only thing they could do, uh, a final and suitable anointing. Well, as the women walked, uh, they considered, what would we do? What are we going to do about this stone that's in front of the, of the tomb? You know, Mark is the only gospel that mentions this conversation. None of the other gospels say that the women here considered, pondered what they were going to do about this stone. Now, uh, this is a is a typical first-century tomb. You see the size of that stone. That's a massive stone that would weigh tons. It would not be easy to move that thing. You needed uh, levers and a lot of strength to do it. Uh, so uh, it, it seems a little short-sighted to me that they wouldn't have thought about this problem before they embarked on their way to the tomb, uh, but I think the explanation is that Uh, Love doesn't consider obstacles oftentimes, right? Love just charges forward and and does uh, what it can do. And and I think that they said to themselves on the way, I don't know how we're gonna move this stone, but we're gonna figure out a way. We're gonna get to the Jesus's body and we're going to anoint it. Uh, And so uh, as true disciples, they marched on toward the tomb. Uh, And notice though, what I want you to see is that they had no expectation Uh, that Jesus was not going to be in the tomb. They had no hope that he would rise from the dead, even though he had said that that would happen several times already in the Gospel uh, of Mark. They came only to anoint his body, not to see that the tomb was empty. But when they reached the tomb, then their resignation uh, turned back into hope again, as they have this amazing conversation with this angel in verses 4 to 6. And looking up, they noticed that the stone had been rolled away, for it was extremely large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting at the right, wearing a white robe, and they were amazed. But he said to them, do not be amazed. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene, who has been crucified. He is risen. See, he is not here. Here is the place where they laid him." Well, it must have been a pretty strange sight for them to walk up and see that this stone uh, had been moved and a curious thing probably but probably not enough to give them hope that jesus would be resurrected there could be countless other explanations for why the stone had been rolled away and certainly there was but not one that they had considered uh, matthew chapter 28 verse 2 says that an angel came down uh, and, and an earthquake happened and that is what caused the stone to roll away And so we see that the angel moved the stone, not so Jesus could get out, but so that the women could get in because the women had to go in uh, to have their hope restored again for their resignation to turn back to hope. Now, let me just pause here for a second to say that one of the most reliable reasons to believe in the resurrection uh, is that women discovered the empty tomb. Now, if I could take you out of the 21st century and put you back in the first century for a minute, uh, women, your testimony was considered worthless in the first century. You would not be allowed to testify in court. Your, your testimony would be inadmissible, uh, such is the, is, was the value of the testimony of women in court in the first century. So, if the author invented this story, he would never, ever, ever, choose women to be his star witnesses. He would never do that. He wouldn't even think of doing that. And the fact that women discovered the empty tombs and that all four gospels agree that women discovered the empty tomb is very strong proof that the story happened just as reported. Well, they come to the tomb uh, and they see a man sitting at the, at the right wearing a white robe. And most likely this was the angel who caused the earthquake and who moved the stone. Matthew says that the angel was sitting on the stone when they arrived. And I just think it's cool to think of of an angel sitting on the stone, uh, casually, uh, maybe swinging his legs back and forth with this grin on his face, like uh, you have no idea what you're about to see. Like we might be excited when our kids open their last and best Christmas present on Christmas morning. Uh, This angel knew that God was about to blow their socks off when they walked in that tomb. Well, they entered into the tomb. Uh, first century tombs uh, in Israel look something like this. Uh, there's, an, there's an outer room. It's, it's large enough to stand and walk around in. And then there are these little burial chambers off to the side. Uh, this particular one is in the Holy Church of the Holy Sepulchre in Jerusalem, which is the traditional place where Jesus was buried. Uh, they built the church up over the traditional burial site. Uh, so this you can see in the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. Uh, but Luke says... There were two angels, uh, Matthew and Mark, only focus on the one angel who actually spoke. And he said, do not be amazed. You are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who had been crucified. He has, has risen. See, he is not here. This is the place where they have laid him. Don't be amazed. Are you kidding me? (laughs) Of course they were amazed. They were shocked. They were stunned. They were astonished. Uh, That's what your translations may say. Uh, Seeing the tomb empty, their their resignation that their their Lord and Savior had died uh, turned into a flicker, a glimmer of hope, and they started to believe, uh, could Jesus still be alive? Uh, Just filled with with, uh, now inexpressible joy as they considered this thing. Uh, The angel called Jesus, uh, Jesus the Nazarene. Uh, and so there could be no mistaking. Uh, you know, this wasn't just a Jesus from this place or that place. It's Jesus the Nazarene. There was only one. So they wouldn't mistake his identity. And they wouldn't mistake the place, right? He, they didn't go to the wrong place. See, this is the place where they laid him. He's not here. Uh, and so uh, the angel is, is building up their hope. And you can just imagine in their spirits as, as they start to feel in their bellies this hope that uh, maybe their savior was alive again. Well, we've all lost people we love, right? We, we all have lost dear loved ones. Uh, Imagine this scenario. Uh, Your loved one dies and and you go to the funeral. You're there, you attend it. You say your last goodbyes. uh, And then on your way out, an angel appears to you and reports uh, that this person is not dead, they're actually alive. And you go back in to the funeral home, and you ask the funeral director, open up that casket. I want to see if that body is actually in there. And, and he opens the casket, and the casket is empty. And you stare at the funeral director in amazement and say, did you move the body? Where is it? And the funeral director's like, I didn't move the body. I have no idea where the body is. And so now you have two pieces of evidence. You have an angel who testified, and you have a missing body and hope starts to build within you. You start to get this glimmer that maybe your loved one is alive again. Uh, but you know, dead people don't rise, but what's, what other explanation is there? Well, that's where these women found themselves on this day. Uh, there's no body. The angel says he's alive again. Uh, I wonder when it was that they began to remember what Jesus had said in Mark chapter 9, Mark chapter 10, that, that he would go to Jerusalem, die, uh, and then rise again. Uh, This final gesture uh, that they had done to to go to the tomb, to anoint his body, this final act of love turned into the greatest event, the greatest news that they had ever heard. Jesus is alive. Well, the women, I'm sure, didn't understand the full theological significance of what it means that Jesus has risen from the dead. Uh, How could they? Uh, But it was enough for them in that moment, that their friend, their Lord, their Savior was alive again. And then the angel gave this woman a task. Verse 7, but go, tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you to Galilee, and there you will see him just as he told you. You remember that back in uh, Mark chapter 14, Uh, In the middle of of Jesus's uh, trials and everything that was going on, he said, after I am risen, uh, I will meet you in Galilee. Go there and and meet me there. Uh, The last time we had seen the disciples, uh, they had all fled, right? They were at the Garden of Gethsemane with Jesus. Uh, As the guards come to arrest him, they all run away and they flee. Uh, uh, Peter, you remember, denied him three times, uh, just as Jesus predicted. And so his best earthly friends, they all scattered and left him to face his trial and his crucifixion alone. Now, if Jesus had only been a man, you could see him being kind of angry about that, uh, perhaps maybe holding a grudge against his disciples for doing such a thing. Uh, And especially Peter, because Peter boldly said, even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you and then goes out and denies his Lord three times. Uh, When Jesus was in the garden of Gethsemane with his disciples, he predicted that they would all fall away. But he said, after I'm raised, I will go ahead of you to Galilee. And so Jesus fulfilled the predictions about his life, about his death and about his resurrection. And now Jesus wanted to go back to Galilee Uh, He wanted them to return there where he would meet them and he would forgive them of their sins, reinstate them and give them a mission. So forgiveness. Uh, Brothers and sisters, forgiveness is what the gospel is all about. The word gospel means good news. Uh, The gospel is simply this. Uh, Jesus Christ died for our sins and rose from the dead. Jesus died on Good Friday and he rose on Easter morning. Now that's great, but why does it matter? Why does this matter? Why is Easter our most sacred holiday as Christians? Well, it matters because just like all the other disciples and every other human being who has ever lived, you and I are burdened by this sin problem we are born with sin and we sin and so we are in deep trouble as far as god is concerned in our relationship with him because uh, we can't get to heaven in our own power Uh, god is holy he cannot sin his standard is absolute perfection never a sin we cannot sin even once and get back to heaven. And so if God allowed sinful creatures into heaven, then heaven would no longer be perfect. And so a huge chasm separates us and in our sinful condition from God in his holy and perfect state. So if we're going to get to heaven, well, someone has to bridge the gap. Someone has to bridge the gap between us in our sinful state and God in his perfect state. And the gospel is that Jesus Christ has bridged that gap for us living the sinless life that we could not live and dying a sacrificial atoning death in our place on our behalf paying the penalty for our sin and uh, taking that punishment on him that we deserve now God will never punish the same sin twice And Jesus has taken all sin on him, past, present, and future. Every sin that you've ever committed, every sin that I've ever committed, Jesus has taken on himself. And so God will not punish us for that sin because Jesus has already paid the price. And so God's gift to us on Easter morning is Jesus Christ. And all we need to do is to receive the gift and God will save us. What will he save us from? Well, he will save us from his wrath, from eternity in hell because we are sinners. What will he save us to? He will save us us to heaven, eternity in heaven with him, a blissful state forever and ever and ever with our Lord and Savior. Eternal life in in, uh, heaven in the future, but not only that, a strength uh, and grace to live for today. And so we ask ourselves, how do we receive this incredible gift? How can I get me some of this amazing gift that God offers on Easter morning? And it's so simple. We simply choose to believe in Jesus Christ for our salvation. We just say, Lord God, I know that I am a sinner. And I know that I am deserving of punishment. And I am deserving of eternity in hell. But now I thank you for Jesus Christ. I receive him as my Lord and Savior. I ask him for forgiveness of sins and life in his name. And if you pray that prayer from a sincere heart, it's a dumb deal. You are saved and your eternity in heaven with Jesus Christ is secure forever and ever. The news is so amazing because of the contrast, right? Eternity in heaven as opposed to eternity in hell apart from him. Uh, And so what else we see is that because God can resurrect Jesus, we have the assurance that he can resurrect us too. Uh, He's not uh, powerful enough only to resurrect Jesus. He can resurrect every single one of us and all who have ever lived. And he can do the same for all of our loved ones too. And in fact, God has already raised your loved ones who have gone on uh, to to death having believed in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And So, brothers and sisters, Easter is, is the best news ever. I bring you good news today. Your loved ones, if they believed in Jesus Christ, they are alive and you will see them again. They are free of the emotional pain, the physical pain of life. Uh, no cancer, no addiction, no mental health issues, no sin. They're much better off than we are, right? We are trapped in these earthly tents uh, that are closer to the end than the beginning, right, for many of us. Uh, They groan and ache, uh, and we long to be free of these bodies uh, like our loved ones are. And they're rejoicing in heaven, uh, and they are just, just there waiting for us. Uh, And we'll get there uh, fairly soon. If you're in pain today because of loss, because you've lost somebody, uh, just know that Jesus knows all about it. Jesus went to the cross to conquer sin, to conquer death, and even to conquer pain. Uh, In heaven, it will no longer exist. It's going to be gone. We are just going to be joyful and worshiping our Lord and Savior every day. And we just need to persevere a little bit longer. And who knows, maybe it'll even be today. Our Lord is coming again. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Uh, This is our hope as Christians. So many people misunderstand the way to get to heaven. And so we just have to be sure that we understand this Because heaven is not a reward to us because we have done good deeds, right? We all understand that that is not the way to heaven. Uh, There is no such thing as a good person, at least according to God's standards. God's standard of a good person is a perfect person, a sinless person, one who has never had even the slightest sinful thought. And that disqualifies all of us, right? I'm sure we would agree. Uh, So we can't get to heaven in our own power. Uh, And so we don't wanna make the mistake of thinking that salvation has anything to do with our good works. And we don't want to make a similar mistake, which is, well, I've done more good works than bad works, and I think I'm, uh, you know, probably on the right side of the seesaw if you weighed them. Uh, We don't want to think that way either. That first bad work has disqualified us, despite the, I mean, even in addition to the fact that we're born in sin. uh, So we really have no hope of heaven apart from Jesus bridging this gap for us. So none of us deserves to go to heaven. None of us will go to heaven in our own strength. It's only a gift for those who believe in Jesus. Now notice that the angel said in verse seven, Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee. Jesus, by his sacrificial life, and death has already gone ahead of us he lived the life ahead of us that god wants us to live and then he died a a, a criminal's death and went to heaven uh, and now he is in heaven at the right hand of the father and if we want to go to heaven we don't go our own way trying to pioneer our own path we go through him jesus said i am the way i am the truth i am the life he said i am the door Uh, no one comes to the father except through me. And so we should not be pioneers. We follow Jesus. We place our faith in him, and that's how we get to heaven. And trusting in Jesus means our eternity is secure. You can't lose your salvation. And think about how comforting that ought to be. You don't have to worry about what's going to happen to you when you die. You're going to immediately be translated from your earthly body into the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we just don't have to worry about that. There is such... Peace. Now, brothers and sisters, uh, last week uh, we lost our dear sister Diana. Uh, And uh, I tell you, she died glorifying the Lord Jesus Christ every day. She blessed Molly and me several times uh, when we went to visit her this past year. For the past 12 months, she was not able to get out of her hospital bed. Uh, and she knew that she was dying. She didn't have any doubts about that, but she also didn't have any doubts about where she was going. And I asked her several times, almost every time I visit her, are, are you afraid, Diana? And she would just say, no. And her eyes were still bright and blue even though her body was breaking down. There was life and light in her eyes and she knew where she was going and there was no fear uh, in her eyes at all. And now she's there and it, it's, it, it was glorious uh, for me to watch and I tell you in uh, honesty uh, and, and in deep humility that, that she taught me something about how to die. That's how you do it. Uh, you, you know where you're going. You glorify the Lord Jesus every day uh, and you have no fear because you know he's gone before you and he knows what you're going through. And now uh, Diana's there And heaven is more glorious than anything we could ever imagine. It's a billion times better than your greatest day on earth. And it lasts forever and ever and ever. And there's no need to fear death when we know where we're going. And there's also no need to fear life. Uh, The resurrection is not just about eternity. It's about our lives today. Uh, People can be difficult, right? Circumstances can be difficult. Life is hard sometimes Uh, But knowing that Jesus, our Savior, is alive makes our difficulties that much more bearable. So we keep our eyes on the prize of heaven. Uh, Jesus lived every day of his life. You want to talk about anxiety. He lived every day of his life knowing the day, the place, the time, the hour, and the manner of his death. How would you like to live your life knowing that it's going to end on a Roman cross on a given date, time, hour, Uh, Every day you march toward that cross. You want to talk about anxiety. That is every reason for anxiety. That's greater anxiety than I've ever known, for sure. And no one has experienced more anxiety or had more reason for anxiety than Jesus. and, And he showed some of that in the Garden of Gethsemane. And Jesus suffered more rejection than any of us ever will. And he suffered more than any of us ever will but he's also gone before us. He's gone before us in death. He's also gone before us in life. Uh, And he loves us and we can rely on him because we have not been through anything that he hasn't been through before us. So we can rely on him to get us through life's difficulties. He loves us and he's a compassionate God. And not only that, but Jesus will give you the power to overcome your sin as well. When you trust him for your salvation, he gives you his Holy Spirit to live inside of you. And the Holy Spirit can help you live the life that God wants you to live. It's a life that's pleasing to God. It's it's not gonna be an easy life. Please don't let me uh, or hear me say that I'm promising you an easy life. It's not an easy life, but it's a better life. It's a holy life, a life that's glorifying to God. So the Holy Spirit can help us uh, with the problems that weigh us down. So many of our problems are self inflicted, right? So many of our problems are caused by our own sin, and we can stop inflicting this pain on ourselves and on others with the Holy Spirit's help. Easter is our most sacred day. Christmas is probably our most popular holiday, right? It's a worldwide phenomenon, but Christmas loses its significance without Good Friday and without the cross and without the resurrection. Jesus's birth was miraculous, but he had to die to pay for our sins. That was the purpose of his life. He came, he lived, he died. That was always the plan. And God raised him from the dead to show that he accepted the penalty that Jesus paid for our sins and God will raise us too if we believe. That's the good news. And so my constant prayer for all of us is that we have believed and that we are saved and that we have this glorious future in eternity for us with the Lord Jesus Christ. He has saved us from the penalty of our sins and we can live in great hope today because Jesus lives and it's all possible because of this glorious Easter event. Amen, brothers and sisters. He is risen. He is risen. He is risen. risen Amen. Lord Jesus Christ, we are just so grateful to you. Thank you for what you've done on the cross for us, dying for our sins so that we might live. Lord, we praise you. We honor you. We worship you. We give you all the glory. And Lord, uh, just keep, uh, keep you in the forefront of our minds all day today and every day, Lord, as we just continue to celebrate this amazing event by which we have eternal life through faith. We thank you in your name, Jesus Christ. Amen.